Discover how powerful marketing launch strategies can be built into any e-commerce marketing plan. It's the e-commerce master plan podcast here to help you solve your marketing problems and grow your e-commerce business. Cutting through the hype to bring you inspiration and advice from the e-commerce sector and beyond. Here's your host, Chloe Thomas. Hello and welcome. It's great to have you here. I hope you are enjoying our new focus. If you've not heard about that yet, we are, as always, here to share how other retailers and brands are growing their stores. But we're also now putting a big emphasis on how we can all help the world whilst doing that, mainly in terms of slowing global warming. So expect to hear a lot about net zero and carbon reduction and all that kind of good stuff. But we're also interested in how how we run our businesses and market to our customers can lead to other great things too around ethics and um, supporting uh, various people, etc, etc. Now, I probably like you, I'm on a journey to try and work out what we should be doing and how. So expect more clarity over that in the coming months and loads of inspiring interviews too. We have some amazing ones coming up. Having said all that, in this episode, we are basically totally focused on growth and marketing. A few weeks back, I was invited to be a guest on Root's Table Talk series to talk about all things marketing launch framework. That's how to run a big launch. Plus, we chat a lot about how this method, this strategy can be leveraged in any e-commerce brand's marketing plan. It was a really fun table talk and we shared a lot of insight on a topic that's not shared enough in the e-commerce space. So I thought I'd ask Root very nicely if they would let me share it as a podcast episode. Obviously they said yes, because if they hadn't, we wouldn't be here right now sharing it with you. So prepare to learn a lot about marketing launch frameworks. Before we do that though, please do check out the sponsors. Clavio have a new special recipe to help you build brand loyalty. It involves ownership of your data and creates your future growth. Whether you're growing a startup or optimizing your company, Clavio gives you the tools you need to own and access the quality data you've sourced from your customers, the customer first data. Then Clavio helps you manage that data to create the campaigns that build real brand loyalty. Doesn't that sound like a gift worth owning? Learn more at klaviyo.com forward slash holidays. What's one of the coolest things about Wix e-commerce is that they have so much marketing stuff built in. You'll find integrated CRM and loyalty tools, easy ways to capture UGC content to fuel your marketing, simple integrations with the most popular social channels and marketplaces so you can sell your product right there, professional design tools for social graphics and video, and automated Facebook ads by Wix campaigns. That's multiple, multiple ways to seamlessly increase your sales. An easy reporting so you can see which needs some optimization to improve sales even further. Go to wix.com slash e-commerce slash website today to join over 700,000 active stores selling worldwide with Wix e-commerce. Why don't, why don't we just get this rolling? So, Let's. you know, just want to thank everybody who's here already and welcome everybody to this next installment of our Table Talk series. Uh, once again, I'm Andrew Jones, uh, representing Route, and today we have an amazing guest. We have Chloe Thomas, 
Um, we're going to be talking about everything launch, product launch, brand launch, launch frameworks and marketing and how to really build an impactful strategic launch plan. So like I said, we're, we're with Chloe today. Chloe, I'm going to get get right into an intro for you. Cool. And then I want you to fill in everything that I miss. Okay. So for those of, those of you who don't know, and I imagine it's very few who don't, but Chloe is a best-selling author. She's an international speaker, host of both uh, the award-winning podcast, The E-Commerce Master Clan, and the brand new Keep Optimizing podcast. Um, she's also one of the top 30 e-commerce influencers of 2021, and her podcasts are regularly included in lists of top e-commerce and marketing podcasts in the entire world. So Congratulations there. Thank you. Um, but most importantly for me, Chloe, you know, you've been in e-commerce since 2003, since the very beginning. And you've worked on the client side, the agency side, the advisor side. You've worked with a wide variety of retailers and just been across the board in e-commerce. So when we're talking about deep e-commerce knowledge, we have you. So, so yeah. this is very, very exciting. And I'm sure you're going to be getting into it, but where you really specialize based on kind of my understanding is in that marketing, problem solving framework structures, basically how do we get you know our products out into the world in the most efficient way possible. So that's my quick intro for you. <laughs> what did I miss? Tell the people more about you. Wow. Um, well, you covered an awful lot of it. I suppose that, you know, like you said, it was it was back in the very early days, 2003, when I started, where I got the bug working for a UK multi-channel retailer. So imagine trying to do that back in 2003. We had a, a thriving catalog mailing plan. We had websites with the server in the corner of the room. Uh, so at Christmas time, because we were a gift business, uh, everyone was restricted from using email and from surfing the internet, because if we did that, customers couldn't check out. Mind blowing uh, these days, but that's what, what it was like. And we also had over 100 stores around the UK. So yeah, we were trying to do multi-channel retailing back with that tech stack. And I just got the bug with the data, with playing around with, with the stuff. And then, uh, you know, almost 20 years later, I'm still still in some ways trying to help people solve exactly the same problems. You know, mm -hmm. how do we get those those pesky customers, those marvelous but pesky customers to buy? Right. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, been, um, it's been a fascinating couple of decades. I, I still can't get over the server in the corner. Like that that's such a you know I know that's how things used to be but really kind of hearing that again I'm like what would that even look like what would that even feel like to be like don't get on the internet don't do email like everything's gonna shut down if we if we do that on that kind of subject there was another person I worked for for a while you know a, a big business mm -hmm. you know um, when we sent their first ever email it went to over sixty thousand people their first marketing email so that was the kind of scale of the business. And their their server was on the dodgy, their whole website was on the dodgy Mac in the corner that one of the team used as a coffee mug holder. <laughs> and it's like, I, I, you, they just pointed, oh, oh, that's the website there. Went, Sorry, what? The, the dusty, decrepit looking box. I was like, oh my Lord. Yeah, we've, we've come a long way since then, <laughs> thankfully. Yeah, so Case in point, you, you've seen e-commerce literally from basically the very beginning all the way until now. And 
you know, I have some questions kind of at the end about how things have evolved and, and whatnot. I really want to dig in there a little bit, but case in point, you, you've seen it all and your specialty is in launching products, launching brands, marketing strategies. Like, so let's, let's just jump right in because that's, that's the topic. That's the meat. That's what people are here to here to learn. So before we even get into some of the more specifics of launch strategy and marketing planning, let's take a step back in e-commerce. And I think e-commerce specifically, a launch can mean something very different depending on who you are, depending on the stage of the brand. You could be launching a new product. You could be launching an entirely new product line. It could be a sub brand. Like there is so much that goes into a launch and it means something different to different brands. So for you, how can brands really identify launch opportunities? And to you, what does a launch even really mean? So maybe we do that. How, what does a launch mean? And then how can brands actually identify what are launch opportunities in their business? I love that we're starting here because I think e-commerce businesses, e-commerce brands often think the only launch you can ever do is when the business goes live. And it's like so far from the truth because, you know, launch is, for me, it's kind of like just a big marketing event. Mm. You know, it's something which you can, you can wrap a load of marketing and team effort and budget behind to create something greater than the sum of its parts. So I think one of the ways I try and explain it to people is, it's kind of anything your customer would deem newsworthy, mm. by which I mean they either are going to write it in their diary of, right, on Thursday, you know, on Saturday when I've got some time, I'm really excited because brand X is doing Y and I don't want to miss out on it. You know, so it kind of like if you're, you know, your favorite brand have just launched a, you know, they've just diversified into trousers instead of just doing tops or something. Like, I must go and check out the trousers at the weekend. Or that you mention to your best friend and go, oh my God, they're selling tea as well as coffee. It's anything you can kind of wrap that around, which means it can become so many different things. Yeah. You know, we have things like uh, new range releases, new seasons, new products. It could be a new brand that you're bringing into the mix. It could be a new product range. It could be a new color of a best-selling item. You know, all of these can be turned into powerful marketing launches. It can even be back in stock. You know, if we think about, um, especially this time of year, pumpkin spiced lattes. Mm -hmm. How many years have Starbucks been launching the pumpkin yeah. spiced latte? You know, that's the sort of thing we can do in e-commerce. As Christmas comes around, our Christmas socks are back in stock, our Christmas jumpers or whatever it may be. You know, it's, it's spring and... XYZ product is back in for spring. So you can build launches around all of these. You can build it even around like the functionality in your business, launching a loyalty program, a VIP plan, referral uh, rewards, a advocates team for your influencer marketing, bringing SMS into your marketing mix. That could be a launch. There's so many different ways. And, and it's like even as, as new as new trends come in, like sustainability, we can use that as launches. You know, we've now got eco packaging, which is something, you know, any moves in sustainability should be given a bit, a lot of noise in my, my opinion. Yeah. So, you know, any of this, and I, I could list these for quite some time, which probably is going to become boring, but right. if you think about something which your customer would find newsworthy, 
something they're going to, going to put on their to-do list for the weekend or whatever day it is they do their shopping or something which they're going to tell their friend who's got, you know, some, oh my gosh, they're doing this. Yeah. Anything like that could be turned into a marketing launch. I love that. And I love, I'm just going to say it again. I think you've said it twice, but anything your customer would deem newsworthy, that could be a launch. That's very different because a lot of the time, you know, brands or people or businesses in general, they look at what is newsworthy, basically at this very macro scale. And then it's like, well, it's not newsworthy or it's not big enough or it's not whatever. So we're not really going to go all in on it. I like that what you're saying where it's like, take it all the way back. What would your customer deem newsworthy? You know, is it that new color? Is it that new product? Is it something that was out of stock that's back in stock? And then when we're talking about launches, you know, quote unquote launches, anything that your customer deems newsworthy, a launch is basically just impact, right? It's building, it's a strategic plan behind something that your customer would deem newsworthy that is going to deliver maximum impact. So that right from the jump, like that's a really good way. It's a good kind of like mental process, you know, that the brands can look at and say, okay, will my customer deem this newsworthy? Awesome. If so, this is now a launch and these are the activities that we're going to do behind it to deliver the most impact possible. So I love that. I think the, the other really important thing on the newsworthy front is often what the customer would think of as newsworthy is not what we think of as newsworthy. Yep. The number one, which, which e-commerce businesses do is, woohoo, we've got a new website. Yeah. Your customer, so long as it works, your customer, to be fair, doesn't really care. You know, so it's, we have to be aware of, do we think it's newsworthy? Just because we've been working on it for a year doesn't necessarily mean the customer thinks it's newsworthy, which is just kind of the, the key thing to bear in mind with this. No, I love that. And I, my, my next question was honestly, how does a brand know if they're actually ready for a, a launch and how much should they invest? But you've kind of already answered it. It's like, do you really understand your customer? Yeah. And then I think there's there's also, there are things which the customer might find newsworthy that maybe um, there isn't enough to say about it to make it a launch. So I think as well as, are we sure the customer is going to find this newsworthy in terms of, of are we ready to launch this? There's also the the timing is there mm-hmm. enough space in our calendar to give this enough breathing space? Because a launch isn't just one day. Yeah. You know, it's going to be over a period of time. So is there, have we got the space in our calendar? Have we got the space in our team's workload to create this launch? And then also, have we got enough to say about it? You mm-hmm. know, are we are we confident that we can talk in an excited manner about this for long enough? you know, enough angles to fill that marketing piece. Obviously, if you get to your influencers and your your customers to get user-generated content around it, it becomes easier to create those messaging. But you have to be confident you can come up with the messaging. But saying that she says but about 20 times in this answer, but if Starbucks can find enough things to say about spiced pumpkin lattes for weeks Yep. then you should be able to. So it's almost a test of, do you have the energy and excitement yourself to do this launch well? I like that. And that's that's crossover between like, not only does your, if your customer would deem it newsworthy or be very excited, are you actually excited enough? And if you're not, there's a mismatch in what's going on. 
So if your customer is very excited and you're not, or you're very excited and your customer doesn't care, that's a very nice like guidepost of like, what should we be doing and for how long and for, and at what level of investment should we put into this? So I think that that leads very nicely into kind of my next question and uh, maybe topic is you've been a part of so many launches, you know, per se, whether that's products, brands, websites, whatever, over the last, you know, nearly two decades, looking back, is there a common thread between successful launches or is there a common thread between the less successful launches? And you can answer that either way or both. <laughs> oh, I, I could give you both, but we'll start, let's start off with the successful ones. The successful ones, obviously the ones which are newsworthy as we've already discussed, but there's two other things they've got. One is they're well-prepped. So the team and the business know what they're trying to deliver. They understand what they're going to do. They've got the plan, they've got the messaging and they then deliver it well. You know, it's not like you wake up on a Monday and go, oh, let's do a launch today. That prep work has gone in. And the other side of it is the energy levels. If the energy levels aren't there for a launch, it comes through in the copy, it comes through in the marketing. And that doesn't necessarily mean you're not excited about it. But if you've all been doing 24-hour days for the last three weeks in order to build the thing, and then you decide you're going to do a massive launch, the same people who've been building it, which often happens in a smaller business, it's very hard to keep the energy levels up there to execute a good launch. Because a strong launch, it's not just about turning on Facebook ads or sending an email. It's about putting the enthusiasm and the excitement that a launch deserves in there. So if you're in that scenario where you've got this great plan for a launch and you know you should be doing a launch, but your team are all just like, where's the Red Bull? <laughs> Give me the Red Bull. I can't yeah. carry on any longer. I need, I need more caffeine. I need more sugar. Then potentially at that point, you need to look at getting some more team members and freelancers in to help you bring that excitement that you were feeling and you you do feel, but you just don't have the energy to get out there there. Because if the energy is not there and the plan's not there, then it, it falls flat. So the best ones are with the energy and the plan. On the prepping and the planning, that, that seems obvious, but it's not, right? So when you're saying like, what's the common thread between a successful launch and it's prepping and planning, it seems very obvious, but at the end of the day, like that is the thing that gets missed or mismanaged or overlooked every time, in my opinion. So mm -hmm. whether that seems obvious or not for you, what is kind of the uh, key piece or pieces of prepping and planning that, that brands tend to overlook? One of the most frequent ones is putting too much on the to-do list. Mm -hmm. So the plan isn't a plan. It's just a list of everything we could possibly do. You know, mm -hmm. it's like, oh, it's a launch. Therefore, we must do Twitter and we must do LinkedIn, even though they were an e-commerce business. We must do adverts on every platform known to man. And we must do this. We must do that. We must do yeah. all the others. And it just becomes like a brainstorm of ideas rather than an actual plan. For me, a plan is where you've gone, right, here's our calendar day by day for our launch. This is when this is going out. This is when this is going out. These are the people who are going to make sure it happens. These are the, the key messages. And it's, yeah, it takes a lot of effort to get it right, but it means that, you know, you are going to deliver it well and it is going to come through. So I guess the, the biggest problem with, with plans is, is A, that they don't exist yeah. uh, and B, that what they actually are is just a spider chart of ideas rather than actually being allocated and committed to. 
Interesting. No, I, I love that so much. And I'm like, that is exactly right. It's either there's no plan or on the complete other end of the spectrum, it is just a hundred lines of like, these are, this is everything we could do. But yeah. at the end of the day, that doesn't drive impact, right? That's not strategic. That's marketing levers, it's activities, it's social channels, it's emails, it's everything you could possibly do, but it doesn't really lead anywhere. Yeah. And, you know, when we're talking about e-commerce and the variety of brands, the variety of products, the variety of audiences, you know, strategy development is completely unique. You know, it's completely use case-based and it's very, very hard to do on a very defined strategic way for your specific brand. So when we're talking about kind of that list of everything you could do or the no plan, when you're talking about strategy development, so we have the massive 100 lines to do list of this is all we could do. Where should brands start in actually tailoring a launch and a marketing plan that is specific, that is impactful for their specific use case? There's two parts to this. One is the resource. So what can you deliver? What have you got the budget for? What have you got the skills for? And Mm. that's crucial. But by far and away, the most powerful way of working out what you should do as opposed to what you could do is to look at who the target customer is. And that allied with your objectives for your launch is going to really help you trim down what you should be doing. You know, we mentioned earlier about, is it a, you know, a new colorway of a popular Mm -hmm. t-shirt that you create? Well, that might be a launch where your target market is actually people who've previously bought that Mm t-shirt. Okay. So that then starts to determine what your launch looks like. It's probably going to be email. It might be SMS. It's probably not going to be a big PR campaign Mm. because actually you want to go to the people who you know love this T-shirt because why wouldn't you? Because they're the ones who are going to want the new colorway. Whereas if if you're going with a, I don't know, we previously sold tables and now we're selling chairs as well. Terrible example, but but we'll roll with it. I would say sofas. That's probably, you know, couches. That's probably a better better one. that would be a chance to go for the big PR piece because you want to get in front of people who may have heard of your brand, but have never thought of you as someone for comfy seating. And Mm. then you go much bigger and much wider. And who that target customer is, is going to determine the channels that you use and and the messaging that you use. So the customer is always at the heart of all of this. I think that is so important. And one thing that really resonated with me is just that very basic, if I'm launching a new colorway, who is that for? That That's not broadly interesting almost ever. If I'm launching that specific thing, that is a launch back to our very first, you know, very first little topic today. That is a launch and we want to drive impact because that is something new that is newsworthy. That's important for our, for our customer. But the activities that we're going to go about to really drive impact for that new colorway are extremely different. And then that determines your level of of buy-in, of investment, of activity, of creativity. But really understanding who is this for and why are we doing this is so crucial. And I think it's missed so often. Yeah, so often. So, okay, we understand the buyer, right? We understand what we're trying to do. When we're talking about a, a... launch plan, or we'll just say a marketing plan in general, you know, I think we can say, what are some of those key components of that? 
but we've already kind of discussed how it's like, it's completely unique. It's completely based on what you're doing, why you're doing it, who you're doing it for. But for you, are there any like table stakes must have key components of a good marketing strategy or is it always unique? Um, there's certainly things that are going to get wheeled out time and time again. For me, it's always email marketing. Mm-hmm. It's always in the mix. Every time I do a launch in my own business, the email plan is the one that gets up there front and center first thing to yeah. work out. It's what everything else hangs off. So I think that's always going to be crucial. Then when it comes to e-commerce launches, I'm also trying to work out where advertising fits into this. Even you know, with the t-shirts, there's still an opportunity to, you know, the new t-shirt colorway, there's still an opportunity to bring some new customers in, in a very targeted way. So I'd be looking at, can we do some lookalike audiences on Facebook or on Google to see if we can get that message out in front of them as well? So I think it's, those are the two really central components that I'm looking at, as well as having a good landing page for it on the website. So you're directing people to a good place. And then I guess the other component, throwing a slight curveball here, is considering are there any channels we've been thinking of tinkering with or we're planning on testing that we could bring into the mix at this point as well? Because a launch is is a big story. So it's often a great time. You know, it's a big story which should be converting sales for you, which means it's a good time to test new channels. You know, if you're a gift business, you're not testing new channels in February. You're testing new channels in October, November, and December. And it's the same with a launch that can give you an opportunity to try something a little bit new in your marketing mix as well. Hmm. I love that. And I think when you were, I'm just, I'm taking notes myself, by the way. Um, I think how you broke that out is really interesting. And I think there, there's an actual kind of framework behind it. It's like your asset, you know, your landing page, whatever that creative is. Then email, which is basically your current audience. Advertising, which is your hopefully your future audience. And then it's like, how are you going to stand out? Those are kind of like four pieces of like a successful launch, whatever, or a successful marketing strategy, whatever it might be. It's like that asset, current customers, future customers. And then what is that hook? What is that uniqueness? What is that flavor that you're going to add to this that might not be there? So I I love that. And the other thing I was going to say, email, I completely agree with. And I just love how, how, for how many years have we been hearing about like emails dying, emails going away. That's not good. It's like, Email is here. It's here to stay. And I don't know when it's going to go away. So really understanding the impact and this, especially like the revenue impact that email drives can't be overlooked and can't be understated. One thing that I, we've touched on kind of bits and pieces throughout this, but it's people alignment and it's energy alignment throughout the company. And I know that that's something that's like near and dear to your heart about like getting kind of the company and the team rallied around, like, this is what we're doing. This is why we're doing it. This is why everybody should be excited. Talk to us a little bit about basically building that internal alignment and why is that so important? And if it doesn't happen, what are some of the downsides? What are some of the negative outcomes that can come from misalignment throughout the company? Yeah, it is so crucial because it's very easy, especially when you're talking about a marketing launch framework, 
that mm. we're just thinking about the funnel that brings people to the website. And in larger teams, you know, you've got the website team who are separate to the marketing team. And this is not it's not really a marketing launch. It's a it's a launch of much wider than your marketing team. And in e-commerce, everybody is involved in creating a great customer experience. And whether we are selling to our existing customer again or we are selling to a new customer, the experience of that sale, the next sale, the first sale, is what's going to bring them back to buy again. And we're not unless we're selling you know, a handful of products, we're not in the business of selling once, we're in the business of selling multiple times. So we need right from the PR through to the email sequence, through to customer services, and then the delivery experience at the end, the whole thing needs to be seamless. And if you don't get everyone on board and everyone understanding this process and understanding why you're doing the launch, what it means, how it's going to impact them, you run the risk of dropping the ball at various points. You know, it's like if you think about it in terms of if we were running a physical store and in the windows, it's got buy an Easter egg, get a free bunny rabbit. I'm not talking a live one. I'm talking a, you know, cuddly toy one. And then by the time someone gets to the checkout, the till won't allow them to have a free bunny. And the person behind the till is clueless about what what bunny rabbits and the delivery team haven't got the bunny rabbits to the store, your customer's going to walk straight out again. And it's exactly the same in the online space. If you haven't got everyone ready and everyone tuned in, now there may be people in the company who have very little to do with it, but unless they know what's going on, they're not going to be able to support you. And often, or sometimes, not often, sometimes, you will find out that something you're planning on doing isn't possible or causes a huge amount of problems for somebody. And unless you're having those conversations, you can't fix that before it becomes a problem that affects the customers. That's super insightful, right? And I love your analogy there where it's like, let's take something real world, like a physical purchase and be like, if this was the experience, this would be horrific and and I would be gone. It's the exact same thing online. We experience it all the time. Um, so sp- tactically speaking, you know, say for people who are listening, there's somebody who's over marketing and maybe a slightly larger brand, say like a hundred people yeah. they're over marketing. Cause if you're, you know, a 10 person shop, you're the CEO kind of getting people aligned. Isn't that hard because it's like, this is what we're doing. I'm at the top. This is why it matters. And then there's only a few people that really have to be behind it. It's a grind. It's a struggle, but it's like everybody's kind of moving because it's so small and, and growing. But somebody who's like over marketing and is in charge of kind of the marketing strategy, planning, launch execution at maybe a larger brand, you know, say like 100 people. How would you suggest kind of tactically speaking to get people on board? Where do you start to get buy in? Is this just emails, communication, Slack messages, text messages, like how can somebody who's over marketing at a slightly bigger brand really kind of help inspire that influence and that alignment across the company? I think and it's a brilliant question. And it's, if you're starting from scratch in a very siloed organization, it is a tough one to go for. Um, all the comms methods you mentioned can play a role. I think it's kind of the same as putting together your marketing strategy in that you have to work out what the right comms method is for the right team. So yeah. customer services, no matter the scale of your launch or what you're doing, almost certainly you need to go 
and speak to them and chat to them and explain to them what the promo is, why you're running it, what's going on, because they are utterly crucial in anything we're trying to sell. Um, the warehouse team are probably going to be important because they're going to be shifting it. And if you're suddenly going to see a massive spike in one particular product, they're going to really appreciate it yeah. if you told them in advance, um, you know, because they can move it to a better position in the warehouse and all the rest of it. It doesn't take very long. Um, you know, the warehouse one could be a simple email that you're sending them. Other parts of the company, you know, the finance team, less likely it's crucial unless you're launching buy now pay later in which case hopefully they've been involved from the very beginning so it, it, you know you've kind of got to see how it works with each team and, and sort the comms um, in the right way because the thing is if you're just sending out company-wide email every day telling them what you're up to they're not going to read it mm -hmm. so you have to get that method right and I would I would try and not just do it for one launch, but try and turn it into a regular communication system between the marketing team and the rest of the business. You know, yeah. so it might and you may have um, you may something which I've seen work really well is to have like a um, an optional coffee session to find out what marketing's up to. Mm -hmm. You know, so those who are interested can jump on the Zoom call or can come to the cafe at lunchtime where you've provided some baguettes some sandwiches and they can find out a bit more about what's going on and ask you questions. Then, then you can allow the people around the business who want to be involved to kind of poke their heads up and you'll find some great advocates doing it that way. Yeah. But it's not, unfortunately, it's not a case of set up a Slack group and it'll all be great. Yeah. Yeah. And this is, you know, just kind of two points on this, but this is just classic like stakeholder management, you know, who needs to be involved, who are kind of the key pieces that make this, that will make this experience from the minute somebody enters our world to the minute they get a product, who are all the people that really need to be involved and be aware of what's happening. And that goes back to how we were joking earlier about that massive to-do list of everything we could do where that massive to-do list kind of applies. It's like really thinking through your entire kind of company and that customer journey and who is going to to be involved in it and really make that a priority no matter how you go afterwards like getting them on board email slack i loved your kind of like optional meeting all the time no matter how you go about doing it just understanding who those people are and what their their role specifically what that impact is going to be on the customer journey and experience is, is absolutely crucial and from my experience like if you really do understand the entire stakeholder whatever stakeholder landscape, that's where a lot of creative ideas can come out. You know, when you're talking about a, a launch plan for a specific product, a lot of creative ideas and a lot of amazing strategies can come from anybody throughout that, that journey. You know, somebody from the warehouse side or the customer success side or the finance team, you know, if they're aware that allows you as, as the you know head of marketing to really start pulling in a lot of great insight that sometimes we overlook. And um, you should, as, as you're kind of alluding there to Andrew, the one thing I really should have said is that you really want to bring the people involved at the beginning. Because if you really want your stakeholders interested, yeah. bring them in when it's an idea, not when it's here's your to-do list. Yes. And, yeah. and you also reminded me of one problem I had back a while where we had done this big competition for the customers and 
we were, you know, shouting about it on Facebook and our own shop staff who knew nothing about it piled in complaining that they weren't allowed to enter the competition. <laughs> and it turned into this huge pile on of shop staff going, typical marketing, they never tell us anything. We're not allowed to enter the competition, which had we involved the store team at the beginning, I'm sure we'd have gone, well, let's double the prizes and we'll do an internal competition to help you improve, you know, team involvement and we'll do one with the customers. And, you know, it would have been such a more powerful thing to do and would have cost nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a, that was where those those good opportunities can come from if you involve the right people early enough. Totally, totally. That's I'm just going to emphasize that. Bring people in in the beginning when it's mm-hmm. an idea, not a to-do list. Not only is that going to allow for more kind of cross-functional like alignment and excitement, but that makes people feel like, yeah, we're one team, we're one business, we're one company, we have one goal, which is super important for like long-term benefit and long-term impact. So I love that. And I know we're kind of coming up on time already, which I could talk about this all day long, but I wanted to touch on one specific thing with you. Just, you know, again, back to you've seen a lot, you've been in the game a lot. You've been from having a server in the corner (laughs) to where we're at today. So two questions on that is how have you really seen e-commerce evolve over the last two decades? What have been some of those key milestones that you've seen big shifts? And then when you think down the road another 20 years, what do you think is going to change? That can be technology, it can be experience, and kind of what gets you the most excited about what's coming down the road? Cool. Well, looking back over the last 20 years, I think in some ways, so little has changed. We're still people trying to get customers to buy product. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we are still, I still have conversations with people about how to create an email welcome campaign, which is something we tried to do back then. Back then it cost thousands and thousands of pounds and long scoping strategies. And now it's a couple of clicks, but still we don't do it. Um, right. So I think many of the same challenges are there from a marketing perspective, but doing them and fixing them has become so much easier. You know, the technology that's now available at our our fingertips to make that customer experience better is phenomenal and has created so much opportunity, but has also massively lowered the barriers to the competition, which is one of the reasons we've seen such a huge surge in new e-commerce stores and new businesses joining the e-commerce space over the last 12 months. And I think... I think it's good for the industry as a whole, but it's really annoying if you're already running a site in here because people can set up very quickly and it's a lot harder to have those really true USPs of difference that someone can't just copy. Right. I think that's that's the last 20 years. In terms of the next 20, what I'm really excited about is I think we're going back to being more creative again. Over the last kind of decade, with the rise of Google ads and Facebook ads, we've kind of seen the creative side of things and the tech side of things, or the data side of of things, you know, the analytical side of things, merge into the same role. So we've ended up with the same people managing the bids and all of this, who are also creating the pretty um, ads, the powerful ads. And if you, but if you look back to you know, the golden days of direct mail or, you know, back to mad men and, you know, the crazy guys on, on Madison Avenue, 
the creative people were not the same people who were booking the TV ad spots. We're not the same people crunching the data. And I think we've joined them, which has led to a downgrading of performance. And those are now becoming important to kind of split apart. So we create these this great messaging, partly because of all the cookie issues and the privacy issues that we're being given to deal with due yeah. to the moves of the, the big tech giants. And partly because of the ways the algorithms were already moving. And the right. ways of getting in front of consumers with user-generated content coming to the fore, with consumers being more interested in sustainability and emotional connection and these softer messages. I think getting our marketing messages right and more honest and more powerful, I think, is what's going to be really exciting over the, over the coming years and seeing how that changes team structures and how that changes where we put our time and our effort. Um, I think it's going to be very exciting. Well, I think that is a topic that we need to dig into on another day. Cause I'm like, I have so many things I want to say about like the future and authenticity and creativity and everything that's really going to impact like mm-hmm. our entire kind of commerce world. So, all right, we'll, we'll table that for another day because I think that's an amazing topic. And I totally agree with you on kind of where you yeah. see it going. Um, so this has been fantastic. It's been so, so great to hear from you. E-commerce Master Plan is supported by some of the greatest companies in the e-commerce sector. Clavio have a new special recipe to help you build brand loyalty. It involves ownership of your data and creates your future growth. Whether you're growing a startup or optimizing your company, Clavio gives you the tools you need to own and access the quality data you've sourced from your customers, the customer first data. Then Clavio helps you manage that data to create the campaigns that build real brand loyalty. Doesn't that sound like a gift worth owning? Learn more at klaviyo.com forward slash holidays. Viyo.com slash masterplan. Are you building a new site, replatforming? Are you frustrated with your existing tech stack? Then you need to take a look at Wix e-commerce. They have over 700,000 active stores selling worldwide, each of whom can manage it all from a single dashboard. The Wix suite of features enables you to do so much without increasing your workload, whilst keeping the customer experience spot on so that those conversions just go up. Find out more today at wix.com slash e-commerce slash website and join over 700,000 active stores using Wix's advanced online storefront features. That's wix.com slash e-commerce slash website. Well, sorry to cut Andrew off there, but after that, we just kind of went into telling the listeners uh, or the viewers all about the e-commerce master plan podcast, which you already know about because you guys are already listening to it. So I hope you enjoyed this departure from our normal format. Huge thanks to Root for allowing me to share this with you. If you've not heard of them before, they are all about improving the post-purchase experience for consumers and retailers. Um, You can find out more about what they're doing and get a free demo at root.com forward slash merchants. To get your hands on our notes from today's show, the links and various other bits and bobs, head over to ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash podcast. There you can also add yourself to our email list so you don't miss out on any of the many things I'm up to to help you improve your business. 
It's nearly the end of the year, which means it's nearly time for our annual January growth series. In fact, the next episode you get is going to be part of our January growth series, because yet again, we're going to be releasing two episodes a week throughout January, each one focused on a different way you can grow your sales in 2022. And of course, this year, there's going to be an awful lot of inspiration around sustainability, um, ethics, doing good for society and the world and plenty on uh, carbon reduction too. Of course, our January Growth Series includes our famous expert episodes as well. Those two mashup episodes where I get the great and the good from the industry to share their key lesson from 2021 and their top tip for 2022. So to help us, to help me help you plot your path to greatness, make sure you've got e-commerce master plan in the diary for both Mondays and Thursdays throughout January. So we're going to be releasing an episode every Monday and an episode every Thursday. If you want to get reminders of that, then make sure you're subscribed to the e-commerce master plan podcast in your podcast player of choice. And visit ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash podcast and sign up to our email marketing. Thank you so much for tuning into this and every episode of the Ecommerce Master Plan podcast. I bring you a new interview every week apart from this one uh, because I want to inspire and help e-commerce business owners to succeed and thrive with their businesses. So if you know someone this show can help, please ask them to listen to the e-commerce master plan podcast, especially because of all the amazing content we've got coming up over the next month for you. I hope you've enjoyed this different type of episode. I hope you have a brilliant week and don't forget to keep optimizing. Thank you for listening to the e-commerce master plan podcast. Find out more at ecommercemasterplan.com slash podcast.